I hope that all of you, especially any lovebirds or, or married couples out there, had a very good celebration of February 14th, Celibacy Awareness Day. <laughs> Perhaps you went out to dinner or to a movie, or maybe took a long walk in the park or exchanged Valentines. However you spent your Celibacy Awareness Day, I hope it was blessed indeed. My name's Father Giacobazzi, and I'm a dear friend, and I was counting, of almost 25 years of Father Eckert. We grew up together in Peoria, Illinois, went to high school together, were college roommates together, and then he chose the better part, diocesan life, and I the lesser part in the Society of Jesus as a Jesuit. I'm a principal of an all-boys Jesuit high school in Kansas City, Missouri called Rockhurst. There are 980 of them running around. Please pray for me. <laughs> now, if you're anything like me, and I pray to God that you are not, but if you are anything like me, you tend to be more of a rule follower than a rule breaker. In childhood, many of us might remember an instance, or perhaps we remember the precise moment when we realize that the rules do not apply equally to everyone. Why do you, mom and dad, get to go out and play and I have to stay home with my older sister who babysits me? Why do I have to eat all of my green beans, mom and dad, when you did not have a single one of them? Why does my friend John get to stay up until 10 p.m and I have to go to bed at nine. Why is that allowed? It's just not fair. It's unjust. You just wait and see. I've called my best friends together in the treehouse, and after deliberations, we've decided to declare war. Let the revolution begin. Your oppressive dictatorial regime will not see the dawn. In consecrated religious life, we have an expression, you keep the rule, like the rule of St. Benedict or the rule of Dominic or the rule of St. Ignatius, you keep the rule and the rule keeps you. In other words, if you follow the precepts outlined in the constitutions of your particular religious order, you will be happy and fulfilled. The alternative, it seems, is the opposite of that much like we heard in our first reading today from Sirach. If you choose, you can keep the commandments. They will save you. If you trust in God, you too shall live. Before man are life and death, good and evil. Whichever he chooses shall be given to him. When faced with a choice whose consequences are life and death, most of us, most of the time, choose the path that leads to life rather than death. And when we choose the path that leads to death, it very often seems to us in the moment that this particular path, in fact, will lead us to life. And yet very often we have been down that pathway before. We know the feel of it the looks of it, the sights and sounds of it. We know that it leads to death, and we choose it anyway. Of 
course, this is sin. Choosing a path that seems good in the moment, but ultimately leads us away from a vibrant life with God. At least twice in his life, every Jesuit in the world undertakes the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. It's a 30-day silent retreat where the Jesuit prays for one hour five times a day for 30 days and in silence. It's kind of intense. The first of those four weeks is about recognizing one's sins and one's patterns of sin, recognizing the many ways one has chosen a pathway that leads to darkness and death rather than a better pathway that leads to following God and God's commandments that always leads to light and life. And in one or two of those periods of prayer, those exercises, one even contemplates the depths and fires and hopelessness of hell. All the while in the context of prayer and in connection to the God who willed me into existence and has sustained my every heartbeat up until that moment. And in meditative prayer, one realizes about himself or herself, about God, who a mystery about God that is real and true. And here's the mystery. One realizes that I am a sinner and one who is loved by God, even despite my sins, and called to be a companion of Jesus Christ, much like the early disciples. By the way, the spiritual exercises are available in other forms, less rigorous than 30 days of silence. And they're available to lay people and to priests, diocesan and otherwise, and women and men religious. That second week of the spiritual exercises is a deepening of a relationship of loving trust between the loved sinner and the God-man, Jesus Christ especially by following Jesus prayerfully in his public ministry in the Gospels, a ministry where he shows people the way to God by leading people to good news rather than bad or destructive news, leading people along the pathway to life. One comes to know Jesus better, to trust him, and to abandon one's selfishness, one's sins, even more, not because one fears the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but more because one knows how much one's sins hurt and offend God, who is all good and deserving of all of our love. That third of the four weeks of the exercises is abandoning one's selfishness, not out of fear of punishment, but for love of God even to the point of going to the cross with Jesus. One spends that week meditating on the life of Christ from Palm Sunday to Holy Saturday, particularly the night of the Last Supper and in the garden and in custody and on trial and being mocked and spit upon and carrying the cross and being crucified. It's a total abandonment of one's own selfishness one's tendencies to choose the pathway that leads to death in order to choose God's path, 
in the sacrifice of Jesus that also mysteriously leads to death. What wisdom God has that we on this side of eternity lack. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, which we heard today, we hear Paul say, we speak God's wisdom, mysterious, hidden, which God predetermined before the ages for our glory and which none of the rulers of this age knew, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The authorities in the time of Jesus, the wisdom figures, crucified him, thinking such a path would lead to light and life. Little did they know, as we do now, that Jesus would rise upon the latter day on the earth, and that worms would not destroy his body, but in his flesh he would rise again. That fourth of the four weeks of the exercises, you probably guessed, is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the one who emptied himself so completely that he not only became human to show sinful humans the true and divine pathway that leads to God, but he also freely submitted to his tormentors in order to ultimately be raised up into glory. In this fourth week, we witness Jesus visiting his mother Mary at her home in Nazareth, not actually a moment recorded in Scripture, but surely a moment that would have happened, according to St. Ignatius, a moment of reconnecting with the mother of God, who was faithful to her son even to the foot of the instrument of his death and of his rising again. Jesus went to console his mother, to reassure her that life does not end in death, but in new life. My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ, true God and true man, was thoroughly a Jew who followed fairly faithfully every part of the Jewish law. And it wasn't because he feared punishment that he followed the law, but because he loved God, God the Father, the one who gave the law to the people of Israel, not to oppress them and keep them bound, but to show them the pathway to God, the pathway to light and life. In the gospel today, Jesus says, I have come not to abolish, throw away the law and the prophets, but to fulfill the law. In other words, folks were keeping the law, every part of it. But know that I, Jesus, in my very being, in my actions, in my words, my teachings, my healings and miracles, my abandonment of my own will in submission to the Father's will, even unto death, I am not throwing away the law. I am fulfilling it. I am enhancing it. I am showing you a new way of looking at it where you want to follow it, not primarily for fear of being excluded from the community of believers, but for love of God first and for love of that same community of believers. Last Sunday we heard in a few verses before today's gospel from Matthew, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. In other words, you are another Christ in the world. As a Christian, you are a model of that pathway to light and life, 
you are called to enhance, make better, bring out the best in others, just like salt does to the flavor of food. You are called to imitate and be one with Jesus, knowing yourself to be a sinner, yet a sinner who is loved and called into companionship with Jesus who shows us the way. At the very end of the spiritual exercises, there are some notations for the one who is making the retreat. It's a set of 18 rules, particularly for Jesuits, but for anyone who makes it. And these rules are for thinking and judging and feeling with the church, especially the hierarchical church. And the final rule, the 18th one, right before it says the end, says this, and this is a translation from the Spanish. It is granted that we should value above everything else the great service which is given to God because of pure love. Nevertheless, we should also strongly praise fear of God. For not only filial fear, like that of a son or daughter, is pious and holy, but also is servile fear, like that of a servant towards one in authority. Even if it brings a person nothing better or more useful, Fear of God greatly aids that person to rise up from a mortal sin. And once such a one has risen up, one easily attains a higher fear than servile fear, that is, the fear of being a son or a daughter of God, who is wholly acceptable and pleasing to God our Lord. In sum, my brothers and sisters, on this pathway to holiness, to life in Christ, who shows us the way through the Gospels, who enhances, makes flavorful and palatable the law and our own lives. In this same pathway with Christ toward the promise of immortality to come, we learn, much like children learn, to move from doing things or refraining from doing things, not because we dread the loss of heaven or the pains of hell, but mostly and first, because our sins offend God, who is all good and deserving of all of our love, the unfailing, unconditional love of a perfect parent who only and ever wants the very best for their child, for their son or daughter. In the pathway of holiness to new life in Christ, as one 20th century Jesuit put it, we will one day learn to harness the energies of love, and on that day, humankind will have, for the second time in history, discovered fire. Praised be Jesus Christ.